Let love in. Imagine if that head trash was not there. Who would you be? What if I told you those fears were no longer a problem? What would you do? I'm Stephanie Costello, a mom of three, wife, and avid mountaineer. Beyond all of these, I am, very much like you, an average person trying to navigate this thing we call life. My goal with this podcast is to bring to light the truth about what intimacy really is. You may smile, feel called out, or learn something new. Either way, you will learn you are in control. This episode is brought to you by Safety in Freedom. Are you struggling to find safety in the freedom you create? Or maybe you're struggling to own your power, embrace who you are, and break free from those toxic patterns? Well, let's help you solve this problem today. Let's figure out what is really happening in your relationships with yourself and others. You can do that for free today at safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. That is safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. In addition, if you are looking for support with what we've been talking about in today's episode, I want to encourage you to get our free tools to help you navigate your freedom. You can go now to safetyinfreedom.com to get those resources. If you'd like access to the special resources and all the show notes for the special episode, make sure to visit theintimacytruths.com. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing to you Katie Grimes, a dating and relationship coach to spiritual women of all backgrounds. As digital course creator, thought leader on the subject of emotional sobriety, and host of the Anything for Love podcast, she mentors other women to trust their intuition and be guided to make miraculous shifts in their thoughts, feelings, and life experiences. She is passionate about helping women feel loved within themselves. If your goal is to be a healthy partner and have one too, then she is your go-to girl. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Intimacy Truth Podcast. And we have Katie Grimes here today talking to us about letting love in. So tell us, Katie. Well, first off, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. You're, you're very welcome. And I'm curious to hear, how did your journey start with letting love in? So my journey started back in 2009. I was in a relationship that from the outside, it looked really, really special. It was, you know, we, we had ended up renting a home together. We, he had a son, we had, we had adventures, we were traveling. We had this kind of world road and romance for like the first year and a half where I lived in Boston. And what I didn't realize is that he was facing narcissism, uh, narcissism, uh, love addiction, sex addiction, and also alcoholism. And because here's the thing, he was kind of a dry drunk, meaning that he didn't really um, drink a lot. But for me, what I started to learn was that the behaviors that he exhibited, which was doing one thing and saying another, telling me that how I was feeling wasn't actually true, um, constantly being very inconsistent, was very similar to that of growing up with my mom. So I started on a journey of going to Al-Anon and trying to fix my relationship with him. What they recommended was don't change anything for six months. And I consistently went to those meetings about three days a week to understand that I was living with, al- with active alcoholism, even though he didn't drink a lot. Mm-hmm. 
And that this was a very similar pattern to that of growing up with my mom, like I had mentioned. Fast forward to 2015, at that point, I'd ended the relationship with him, moved back to Boston, was bouncing in between one relationship after another. You know, maybe it'd be a one night stand to a two night stand to a couple months to a two year relationship. And what I recognized was that I was always thinking about when was I going to see them again? Or how do I see them again? Or that cute guy that I walked by with the puppy, is he my future boyfriend? Like, am I supposed to go to this grocery store because that's the person I'm going to bump into and they're going to be my future husband? Like everything subconsciously and consciously was in the pursuit of trying to find love. I literally was doing anything for love, which is actually why I called my podcast that name because I was then trying to get different jobs that had more money so that I could pay for the travel and pay for the waxings and the eyebrows and the, you know, nails done and the shoes and like the clothing and all this other stuff. I realized that it was literally bleeding this, this addiction to love was bleeding into everything that I was doing. And it wasn't until a fellow of mine from Al-Anon Uh, I had openly shared with her that I had had another affair with somebody who was in a relationship and by another, I mean, it was like the second person. And I had vowed that I would never do that again. Mm -hmm. The first time did it again, second time. And she was like, so I think you're addicted to love. I was like, is that even a thing? Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, there's 12 step meetings about it. And I'm like, you mean like Tiger Woods, like sex, like that sort of shit. And she's like, yeah, girl. (laughs) And I ended up reading the 12 characteristics of sex and love addiction. And I checked, it was the first time I scored hundred percent on a quiz. And it was everything from assigning magical qualities to people you know, you hardly know. That includes celebrities for that matter. You ever like watched a movie and been like, oh, I wonder if he's sober. Like, you know, or like, <laughs> is he a wife? Like it was that sort of shit yeah. all the way up into compulsively pursuing one relationship after another not being able to be alone, being highly independent um, and not wanting to ask for help, but really ultimately fearing abandonment and loss. Mm -hmm. And so I recognized for me that I needed to take some time off from dating uh, to which I actively went through withdrawal as you would a drug or alcoholic, had some pretty severe symptoms around not sleeping, sleeping too much, not eating, suicidal tendencies. I mean, my addiction to alcohol, I mean, excuse me, my addiction to sex and love was that of what you see some people on TV or maybe know in your personal life who are addicted to alcohol and drugs. What I've now learned is that sex and love addiction is, in my opinion, more common than that of alcoholism and and drug addiction. I think it's an overthinking problem that I had. And what I've found is what it truly means to me to let love in now it's kind of this really annoying concept that I think we hear a lot, but that my grandmother said to me, which is you need to love yourself before somebody else can. Yeah. I, 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 I want to twist that a little bit. Um, I want to share that. I think that you can love yourself when other people already love you. You can also love yourself in the pursuit of trying to love other people. But I do think that the overarching theme is how do you love and accept yourself to a place where you feel fulfilled and happy more times than not 
and you're not looking for other people to rescue you, save you, validate you, make you happy. And what I find is I'm not surprised how many people either listen to my podcast or come work with me in my group, Let Love In, who literally tell some portion of my story, whether it's being like too highly independent or um, like getting into relationships where the people aren't emotionally and physically available. But there's so much more I can say about that, but I'll just kind of pause there and see yeah, what's coming up. <laughs> for sure. I was like intently listening. Like I'm in, I'm loving this, everything about this story. Um, the self-awareness that you, you encountered and you were able to really take a look at is really powerful. So thank you for sharing that journey. Um, one of the things that when you were talking, talking about self-love and caring for ourselves, uh, we oftentimes will attach our meaning to other things in our world right so I'm a mom of three any day that could be taken away from me what would my identity be after that not having that identity I'm a wife what would happen if I would were to not be a wife all of a sudden could Stephanie still thrive and survive and without those those titles now don't get me wrong that will be would ever be the most painful thing to have ever lived through I still have this firm belief around pain is inevitable. Suffering is an option. And you Mm -hmm. were realizing how you were suffering and you took that pain that you will continue to deal with. The thing about emotions and our subconscious mind is we deal with one thing and we're like, okay, cool. That's done. No, not really. The other thing pops right up. Yeah. (laughs) And then that same thing will pop back up again and again and again. And it's like, wait a minute, why are you here again? And it will just pop up in different forms. Yes. You know, for me, it, it went, I thought if I gave up alcohol, which I am, you know, I, I've given it up and every now and then I'll reintroduce it back in my life. And I still feel like shit when I do it. So stop doing it yeah. is that it popped up, a, you know, when I put down sex and love for a little bit, inclusive of masturbation and self-pleasure, mm-hmm. sugar popped up. Mm-hmm. Once I put the sugar down, overspending popped up and, TV. and exercising. Right? Yeah. exactly. And for me, what I recognize is I have this part of me and she's actually many parts now that I'm doing the therapy in it and understanding EMDR and, and ACA, which is adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional homes is understanding that at times I had this part of me, eight years old, 11, 12, 14, 16, she's come at all ages for me and understanding that I felt abandoned or not good enough and was desperately trying to be seen and validated and to know that I was loved and important because I didn't receive that kind of love and safety consistently from those that cared for me. And I was fortunate that we have a really big family. So I was cared for by many people, but on now understanding sort of generational trauma is you take two grandparents who were living in the great depression coming from that place of scarcity, trying to raise five, some, some of them, six children, and then they all have their different addictions and their different ways of coping with things. And then you try to bring children into that mix. Mm-hmm. Now, grandchildren, like I knew for me that the cycle had to stop with me. I didn't, I was bullied as a young kid by family members and by uh, kids at school for the way that I looked or how I acted. And so it made me really confused about who I was and if I should go right or left, up or down, what I should wear, what I shouldn't. And it caused, you know, while some people have big T trauma, which is losing a loved one, 
are, um, like you said, you, you talked about your identity of being a wife and a mother. Like if that is stripped from me, the identity of being a girlfriend or being a friend or being a daughter or whatever the case may be, I am still Katie. Yes. And I had to learn what that meant. Like I had to learn that friends are going to come and go. And it doesn't mean that I'm too much or that I'm not enough. It just means that there are, they are reflecting back to me things that I need to see and hear about myself. And I get to choose if those things change. I don't, they don't change because they told me that I talk too loud or that I'm, you know, too hyper in the morning. Mm -hmm. I, I get to say, do I like the fact that I'm hyper in the morning? Yeah, I get a lot of shit done before 12 o'clock that most people may not. But most people probably get more shit done after five o'clock than I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we all have our different strengths and we all have our different, yeah, qualities. And I started with the help of 12-step recovery. I really started to help to understand that if I go to meetings, if I talk to the fellows, if I do what they're suggesting and create a spiritual practice, then I can start to accept the parts of me that I have not really accepted my whole life because I thought that I was fundamentally broken or something was wrong with me. Mm. And it's given me my life back, which is why I then started to coach other people around this because I did have quite a few traumatic experiences happen that I would identify as big T trauma. Like, you know, my mom being an alcoholic to some may be a big T trauma or a little T, Mm. you know, was she emotionally abusive and physically abusive? Yes. But to somebody else's experience of being beaten every day or being talked down to every day, there's no comparison that mine is worse than theirs. It's still trauma. I'm so glad you just said that trauma is not comparable. A veteran who experienced trauma in war may not ever want to see the, his grass or her grass may be greener on that side. And they may not want to see what your grass looks like. They don't want to switch those traumas around because trauma is trauma at the core of it. But trauma is the story that we engaged in the semantics to the situation that we engaged in emotionally in our bodies. We all experience chemical exchanges in the similar ways. Brains can only have so many chemical reactions in them. Right. Um, and then even to back up a little bit further, you were referring to the different all the different ways that we can make choices around sugar and food and exercising and all the other, um, you know, things that we can have in excess in our country. Uh, really at the core of that is behavior patterns and being able to confidently choose what you crave to have in your life and mm-hmm. getting yourself the opportunity to set boundaries around it, set parameters even though you want it and you could have it doesn't mean you should have it and and need to have it. Right. And figuring out what does that want and could, well, I don't like you should, could, can't, well, those words are not helpful words. So wants or desires or needs, right. And figuring out what variation and what level those each mean. So it's a great job for doing that for yourself. And I appreciate that. And and I think one of the, the phrases that I heard in 12 step recovery, as I was going through that healing process was pick the thing that's going to kill you the first. Pick the thing that's going to kill you the soonest. And for me, my depression and anxiety and the suicidal thoughts, not that I wanted to carry out the act. And again, not that's not to diminish anyone's experience of that. I'm just being honest about where it was for me before 2018. Before 2018, 
I'd only had suffered from a little bit of depression, a little bit of anxiety, which was, and sometimes suicidal thoughts, especially when that first relationship was ending, because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who my identity is without this person telling me that I should go right or left or my parents telling me how I should be or whatever. What I, what I then learned was, okay, well, I have to pick the thing that's killing me the fastest. And that is my obsession with being in a relationship and having someone choose me and me feeling like I'm picking the wrong people. Yeah. And then I realized that it was actually spreading into my friendships. Yeah. And then I realized the thing that was killing me the next, I just took alcohol out because it wasn't killing me the fastest and it wasn't killing me at all. In fact, I I was doing this shit when I was drunk or sober and I never got into drugs. Uh, So for me, it was more like, okay, so the sugar is actually messing with my anxiety and depression more. Yeah. Now 2018 comes and I am away for a weekend away with some new friends and a best friend at the time. We're no longer in a, you know, no longer have a relationship. But during that weekend, I was raped and sexually assaulted. Mm. And now keep in mind at that time, I'm sober from drugs and alcohol. I am sober from sex, love and fantasy addiction. I am weeks away from getting the green light from my sponsor to go and and date because I was feeling pretty good about myself. And it's really common that when we have done all this work on ourselves, that we self-sabotage. We we fuck that guy or we, pardon my French, but we have sex with that person or we flirt with that one or we give our numbers out or we, you know, whatever it may be as it relates to sex and love, or we overwork, whatever the case may be. And I was really clear. And fortunately I was very clear in my text messages because, you know, there now is a, um, a legal suit going on, not suit, uh, a legal case going on within the state of Vermont um, where I explicitly talk about my sobriety. I explicitly talk about the fact that I'm not dating, that I'm not interested in this person. And after understanding what PTSD is yeah. from that assault and the weekend that occurred and understanding how I didn't go into fight or flight mode, I went into freeze. I pretended as if everything was okay yeah. and actually started acting as if everything was okay. It's a big part of my story that I am still trying to accept and, and talk about openly because mm-hmm until somebody said the word freeze, did I understand, oh my God, there's a third option. I thought it was fight or flight. I thought yeah. you run or, or what? There's actually there's fight. There's four, right? Yeah. Fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. I had no idea. Yeah. And at, if I think about it, I probably balanced in between all of them at some point that weekend. Absolutely. And then having my stepmom passed away a few months later, then having my grandfather pass away a few months later, then my grandmother going into hospice, then my best friend leaving and saying, she can't deal with this or texting and saying, she's like, she doesn't want to be friends. She needs a break. When she hadn't been a friend really much at all, I then realized, and then my grandmother died. I realized that I was responding and reacting based solely out of being in PTSD. Yeah. And it was something that I'm so grateful that I got to go through for what, for two reasons, three, maybe three reasons. One, when my best friend had postpartum, I was able to be a voice and listen to her because the symptoms are very similar. They are. Yes. Um, two, I developed a career and a passion for this and teaching people about 
how do you think thoughts, feel feelings, take actions that make you feel good about yourself, despite what anybody else thinks of you? And why sometimes is it really hard to courageously step into that? Yes. And really understanding family dynamics. And really understand, I know we do a lot of the same work, which yeah. I know we're both, you, I don't know if you guys can totally see this, but we're it, yeah. smiling and laughing about this yeah. because like, we, this is why Stephanie and I vibe. Yeah. It also gave me a chance to meet nine other courageous women who we have dubbed the dream team mm-hmm. because we can call on each other. Oh, I'm getting choked up. When each of us has an episode or a memory or um, someone isn't kind or compassionate towards us mm-hmm. as it relates to the rape or the assault that we each had experienced, no matter what our age was, no matter how long ago it happened. Um, everybody was at different ages when it occurred. And these women have been able to become very good friends and have been able to help me take such a terrible moment in time and help me understand that I am fundamentally not broken and don't need to be fixed but that I can courageously open my, like use my voice and speak up to them and let them know that I'm hurting. And it's ultimately why I actually, as a part of my program, do group trainings and also have a walkie talkie system where you can use your voice 24 hours a day because it gives you the chance to speak up. And I think by doing that, those women help traject me to actually use my voice and to press charges and to make a statement and fortunately, I had um, a really great doctor who also it really encouraged me to go to the ER the day I got back. And so there's documentation of all this shit. And I wasn't in a state of mind at the time to do any yeah. or all of that because I was in freeze. Yeah. And we're three years into the court case and nothing has been resolved yet. And that's okay. I trust and am in alignment that whatever will be, will be. But I think what has helped me is as I've grown this business, my voice was stifled because I was afraid that people would listen to this podcast or his lawyer would look at my pod, my podcast or my, you know, I was afraid that his legal team would try to make me out to be the bad guy. And I put my hands over my throat for mm-hmm. almost six months of starting a business to which my business coach said to me, Katie, how long is this process going to take? I said, I heard it's going to take five years. Do you really not want to make a single freaking dollar off of in the next five years just because of this asshole? If anything, while you're not legally allowed to say his name, there are other ways that you can start to use your voice and start to gain some confidence in this Mm -hmm. so that you feel okay sharing. And it's really powerful to take such a shitty story and be able to recognize that we now help hundreds of people we're aiming for thousands of people coming up soon internationally yeah um it's who have either had the same experiences thought the same thoughts about themselves or had the same feelings whether it be you know the big t or little t traumas i talked about abandonment Mm -hmm. wanting to just be more confident when it comes to dating or building a business like I now have a business arm of my business to help people who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. Like (laughs) Stephanie, never in a million years, but I think that would be the case. But when you asked the question, when we first got started about let love in, it's like, I had no idea that I could take all that pain and create a really beautiful life. Mm, And for a while, Stephanie, I was creating a really 
beautiful life based on the pain, but I was so entrenched in the pain. Now I look at it from a different lens. I'm like, okay, I have this really painful story. Some of which is, has a but lot the of laughs. Suffering is an option, right? <laughs> right. But the suffering is an option. Yeah. My mentor says that to me all the time. You can spin circles around this, but suffering is an option. So are you going to suffer? And I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. Exactly. I'm good. You have suffer. been such an easy person to interview. I usually have to ask the leading questions. So how did you get into let love in and how did you start it? And you know, all the journey, but you just like went and ripped it's and not, shared the whole thing. I love it's it. It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> this has been incredible. And seriously, this is very important um, for our listeners to hear. Pat yourself on the back for your wins. Ever so small. If you go a day without drinking and you're trying to get rid of drinking, that's a celebration. If you go uh, three months without having sex with somebody while you're dating them, that's a celebration, right? There's so many ways that you can, if you got out of bed and you went for a five minute walk this morning because you're trying to walk 30 minutes a day, you did five minutes more today than you did yesterday, right? Like find those really important small wins so that you can find that confidence in yourself that you so deserve. Um, How can they find you? Yeah, there are, I would say two ways that you guys can find me. Number one, is you can head to my podcast, Anything for Love. Every week I drop a new episode um, inclusive of Stephanie coming on, which is great. So Anything for Love is the podcast. You can find it anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. And then number two, you can head over to Instagram, kg.katiegrimes, kg.katiegrimes. Drop me a DM. Just let me know that you heard me here on Stephanie's podcast. And I will active, it's me. I will actively have a conversation with you about what's going on, what resonated with you, because I treat Instagram as if I was inviting you into my home. So if you're just like, you like walked through the front door, I'm not going to not greet you. Like I want to say, hi, I want to see how you're doing, what brought you here, what's your interest and see how I can support you. And so there are, you know, we can, from there, we can have a conversation whether or not Let Love In is their best program for you, or there might be other um, supports or guidance that I can give you uh, inside or outside of what I'm doing to try to help you feel better in, in the short term, not just the long term. Exactly. I absolutely love it. I appreciate your story and I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Stephanie. I appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Safety in Freedom. Are you struggling to find safety in the freedom you create? Or maybe you're struggling to own your power, embrace who you are, and break free from those toxic patterns? Well, let's help you solve this problem today. Let's figure out what is really happening in your relationships with yourself and others. You can do that for free today at safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. That is safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. In addition, if you are looking for support with what we've been talking about in today's episode, I want to encourage you to get our free tools to help you navigate your freedom. You can go now to safetyinfreedom.com to get those resources. If you'd like access to the special resources and all the show notes for this special episode, make sure to visit theintimacytruths.com.